Hey, Leading Learning listener, if you represent a membership organization looking for ways to expand your online course catalog rapidly with high quality content, we have good news. At leadinglearning.com AMA, you can find out how to make online training from the American Management Association available to your learners. Through a partnership between AMA and Tagoras, the parent company of Leading Learning, you can give your learners access to more than 70 e-learning modules covering essential business topics ranging from leading and innovating, to managing projects effectively, to working in hybrid teams. For details on how to grow your catalog with courses from a true global leader in management training, visit leadinglearning.com AMA. If you're a leader or an aspiring leader in the business of lifelong learning, you're in the right place. I'm Salisa Steele. And I'm Jeff Cobb, and this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 32 of the Leading Learning Podcast. And if you are listening, then you or others on your staff may be interested in knowing about Learning Technology Design, or LTD for short. That is a learning experience designed specifically for professionals in the business of continuing education and professional development. It's coming up on May 18th and 19th in Arlington, Virginia, and we would love to see you there. The goal of the event is to help the people coming together for that find new and better ways to engage learners and create really lasting impact through the effective use of technology. So we encourage you to find out more about that at ltd.leadinglearning.com. We also want to thank Meridian Knowledge Solutions for being a sponsor of Leading Learning Webinars and as a part of that sponsorship package, they are a sponsor for this podcast episode. And you can find out more about our upcoming webinars at tagoras.com slash webinars and you can find out more about Meridian at meridianks.com. And so Jeff, in this episode, we get back to um, interviewing and talking with um, C-level folks at associations about where they see uh, the state of learning in, in their organization and more broadly. So I know you had a chance to talk with the uh, CEO of the American Association of Critical Care Nurses, Dana Woods. That's right. Dana and I were able to catch up and talk about what's going on at AACN. They are they are a very strong organization. They've been a very strong organization from the standpoint of offering learning education out to their membership base. Uh, Dana is just an extremely smart person. And we talked uh, a little bit about uh, her background coming into the CEO role, which she's been in for a little over two years now. She has a uh, you know, fairly heavy marketing and strategy sort of background coming into the role. So we talked about how that influences how she approaches it. We talk about the value proposition, how how that uh, how learning fits into the value proposition for AACN, and then we talked about some of their specific learning initiatives because they do have some uh, some really great things going on. They're in the third generation of uh, an on-demand online learning program they offer called the Essentials of Critical Care Orientation or ECHO, and they've been doing that for a number of years, taking it into hospitals and healthcare systems and providing the orientation for critical care nurses. I think that's really fertile ground for just about any organization to provide those types of orientations and AACN was ahead of the curve in, in offering an online version of that. So we talked about you know how that's come about and what the challenges and, and, the, and the successes have been. 
we do also look at uh, their webinar offerings too because they're doing some interesting things with webinars and I think a lot of people think you know webinars are just kind of ho-hum and boring but AACN took a hard look at theirs they've they've trimmed them down made them shorter they've really focused on the design of them and, and working with the subject matter experts and they've had some tremendous success with their webinars in fact I often hold them up as a model for organizations to look at so we talk about that a little bit um, we talk about Dana's own uh, learning habits she is a, an avid learner and just in general uh, I think this is just some some great perspective from uh, the leader of a very strong organization about learning education and the role that membership organizations can play wonderful I look forward to hearing what Dana has to say Hey there, this is Jeff Cobb, and I am joined today by Dana Woods, who is the CEO of the American Association of Critical Care Nurses, or AACN. Dana, welcome to the podcast, and maybe we can start off with you telling us a little bit about AACN and what it does. Absolutely, I'm happy to. The the American Association of Critical Care Nurses is a community of now 108,000 nurses who care for acutely and critically ill patients and their families at what is most often... The, the most difficult time in their lives, as you can imagine. So our nurses are part of this community because they are driven to acquire or enhance their expert knowledge and the influence they need to fulfill their promise to these patients and their families. Um, it's a very high-stakes job, and as you can imagine, our, our members are eager to do it um, exceptionally well. Mm. Yeah, and I know, and I, obviously one of the main things we want to uh, dig into here is uh, how, how you help them with that. But um, I'd love to get a little bit more background on, on you, though, before we do that. Um, now, you've been CEO of AACN for a little over two years, I, I believe, um, but you were with the organization for really quite a while before that. And if I understand correctly, you know, had significant marketing and communications roles within the organization. And then you've also, even before you got there, you had a marketing and PR background. You had you got an MBA at, at some point along the, the way. So you know, I'd be interested in, you know, for, as a CEO now, how does that kind of marketing, communications, PR type background, the MBA background, how do those inform how you approach being an association CEO? Oh, that's, that's a lot to take in. I think... Uh, <laughs> Just take, <laughs> well, take a deep breath and, and do your best. <laughs> I will. I think in, in my experience, uh, we'll start with the MBA being sort of a broad degree and, and field of study that includes uh, things like marketing and communications and organizational strategy, which uh, most recently had been my role before taking on the CEO role. And as I think about marketing, we'll start there. I've always been one of those who subscribes to the broadest definition of marketing. Um, I believe it's Philip Kotler's version of it. It's, it's so simple, but so hard. It's, it's simply identifying uh, societal needs and, and meeting them. And I think, you know, I've, I've thrived in organizations that understand that marketing is not a department or solely a department that it's everyone's job in an organization to identify and meet those needs that individuals have. And particularly in the association arena, um, you know, that's, that's really why we exist. People affiliate to, to get what they need um, from others like them. And so, you know, listening to me is a, is a huge part of marketing and strategy development. And in the case of associations, I think learning how to engage members 
um, more effectively is really a, a deeply held way of being for me as a leader in all the roles I've held here, but especially in this one. And fortunately, I work with uh, about 160 colleagues who feel the same way, that the work we do is done with nurses and for nurses, which gives us a real advantage to understanding their needs and, and filling them. Right, right. So, I mean, it sounds like for you, I mean, marketing and probably what most people think of as, as, as strategy um, are, are not terribly separate. I mean, those really go kind of hand in hand. Would, would that be an accurate way to, to put it? That's how I've always felt. And I, I think in most organizations, fortunately, I've worked with folks who felt the same way. Where I didn't, um, maybe I wasn't the most popular marketing leader. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes it's good to not be popular as a marketing leader if you want right. to actually make some change happen. Um, well, then, you know, I know then thinking as a marketer, thinking as a, as a strategist, you know, which I, I know you are as well, those, those going hand in hand, um, I know... You know, you probably think intensely about the the value proposition of uh, of AACN, and you know, obviously, you do a lot of things as an association. Most associations do so. Lots of ways that you're providing value to to serve your members. Um, from your perspective, how how does learning, how do learning and education fit into uh, the organization's value proposition? And um, you know, maybe as a follow on, how how has that evolved over time? Mm-hmm. Well, it might be helpful to understand, you know, this organization was founded uh, in 1969 by just a handful of nurses who were, found themselves in this brand new environment called an ICU. Uh, They didn't exist before that. And so they were driven by this, this need to understand more about the changing uh, therapies, technologies, pharmacology, so that they could help their patients. And, you know, they they were driven by some fear of hurting their patients. A lot of this stuff was really unproven. So developing um, some sort of evidence base was, I think, a key driver for the organization. It might not have been called that back then, but education and learning really are the foundation of why we exist. And when we uh, survey our members, uh, which is pretty regularly, and ask them, you know, what drives them to be part of this, this association, always, as long as I've been here, 16 years, the number one answer is around keeping up to date with their practice um, because it is so dynamic. As you know, the healthcare environment is dynamic, therapies change, uh, drugs change, uh, the patients are presenting much more acutely ill than, than they did years ago. So keeping up to date is vital to keeping your patients safe, which is what nurses are, are driven by. So I think when I think about how the value proposition may have evolved over time, back in the early days, it was we were pretty focused on clinical mastery. You know, what does it take to do this procedure? How do you take care of a patient on a ventilator? Um, the real um, sort of technical side of the profession What I have seen change, uh, particularly in the last maybe decade for us, is moving from just that clinical focus to putting it in context of the whole system in which nurses have to practice and being much more human-centered, not just from the patient standpoint, which is what nurses are um, so excellent at doing, but also human-centered from the nurse's standpoint to thrive in environments, 
where nurses practice can be very challenging, as you can imagine. These are very, very sick patients. Their families are um, scared, uh, don't necessarily know what's going to happen, and it's it's an incredibly, I think, sophisticated skill set that nurses have to possess. And I think by putting that technical mastery um, there's, there's learning resources out there for technical mastery, but also the community in which you can get support for and understand how to take better care of yourself and the psyche of your patients and families, as well as their physical symptoms, has um, helped us to remain relevant. Right, and I, I know, you know, having worked with a number of, of nursing organizations, uh, nurses in general do seem to be so dedicated to the uh, the idea of, of continually improving and as you said i mean particularly in the setting your nurses are, are, are working in uh being able to do that is is so critical and i and i know that you know one of the avenues that that uh you chose for supporting nurses uh was to get into online learning and and providing you know uh, basically learning that uh, can be accessed in, in the context of uh, work. I know you just recently launched the third generation of your essentials of uh, critical care orientation uh, or ECHO uh, as I, I believe the organization calls it. Um, and, uh, you know, you got into that, uh, well, I, I'm not even sure how many years ago it was. Maybe you can uh, tell us, but um, before, you know, a lot of organizations were thinking about it, you invested significantly in building an on-demand online educational product and then, you know, taking that into institutions, taking that into the, the healthcare environment so the nurses would be able to access it. Um, so I, I know you, you, I believe you were around at the time. So, you know, how, how did you decide so early on that, you know, that was the right path to take, that that was an appropriate risk to take because you, you did invest significantly in it. Um, and then, you know, what, what have been some of the challenges along the way? Sure. I'm happy to talk about that. Uh, while ECHO, the Essentials of Critical Care Orientation, was launched in, as an e-learning platform in 2003, we had been in, in the business of providing orientation to critical care nurses who are new to that specialty. Uh, we've been doing that since the beginning of time, pretty much. And the the former form for that orientation, I think it's just kind of funny to look back at it, at it now when I came on board. It was, I, I believe, maybe two six-inch, three-ring binders full of transparency wow. overheads wow. <laughs> so, um, to help uh, nurse educators in the, the hospitals primarily educate the, the new crop of critical care nurses. And, you know, naturally, uh, platforms changed, technology changed, and we knew we had to, to change with it. Now, fortunately, the... The paper product, you know, the, the old school product did very well. It, it became, you know, absolutely essential to nurse educators who were trying to, to bring new nurses up to speed. So we were pretty confident that the content would remain relevant. It was the learning around the platform and the delivery that um, perhaps was challenging. I mean, as you know, it was certainly costly, so that there was a risk in investing you know, at, at the time, it was about a million dollars to create the first Echo for, for us in a nonprofit. That seemed like a lot of money at the time. Uh, looking at what it costs to develop Echo these days, that was actually pretty cheap. So, <laughs> but back in the day, it seemed like a lot. Um, I think the, the real learnings for us, I wouldn't even call them challenges because the product was pretty instantly successful. But we really had to learn a lot about 
things like contracting with hospitals at an institutional level rather than just delivering a product in the mail um, for site licenses and, and other uh, the other implications of an e-learning program. We also had to develop uh, a, an ability to direct sell, which was not a capability we had at the time, and then began distributing through some of the major learning management systems. Uh, so distribution partnerships were new to us as well. And all of that, you know, certainly added complexity to a program development process that was already complex going from paper to electronic. So it definitely was uh, sort of, I think of it as our skunk works days. We, we had a team that was really just focused on that, who, were, who was learning every day and um, discovering a new twist in the road and, and doing everything we could to understand that and uh, get around it successfully. And you have been quite successful with it. I mean, this is something that's used uh, by a large number of nurses, a, a large number of uh, institutions. Um, you, you've seen it grow quite a bit over time. Is, it, is that uh, correct? Right. Well, currently, we've got uh, over 1,100 hospitals using ECHO mm. for their orientation, and that's out of about roughly 5,000 who have uh, critical care units in the, in the U.S. Wow, so that's that's pretty good penetration into, into the uh, the market, the audience that uh, that you're serving. What are um, what are some of the other learning initiatives? I know Echo has has been kind of a flagship in many ways, but it's it's only you know one of the ways that you're offering uh, education and learning out to your audience. What are some of the ones that uh, you know that you you like to highlight that you think are particularly valuable? Oh, you know, our, our reason for being, as I said, is is providing learning resources. I think some of the the newer, well, let me balance. There's some new things, relatively new things that we've been doing that are are very exciting and and look to be very relevant. And then uh, an old tried and true thing that is is really doing well, which is our conference. But let me start with some of the the newer things. A, a couple years ago, we started. A webinar series, and I know webinars in, the, in and of themselves are not new. Ours, we went out into the market uh, with a couple of distinctions, one being that they would be 30 minutes uh, max. They'd be very focused on emerging uh, clinical topics or um, environmental topics for our nurses. So they would be, we'd have the ability to be very nimble to bring uh, topics to the fore, like when Ebola was um, showing itself in, in the U.S., Webinars allow us to be much more nimble in churning out content. And what we, the other distinction we made is the board made a, a deliberate decision not to charge for our webinars, even though that was part of the original business plan, feeling that particularly these evidence-based practice, um, these vital, vital pieces of knowledge that every nurse needs, that it should be available to every nurse with no barriers. Um, so you don't even have to be a member to access our webinars uh, uh, free of charge. And we have had an incredible response to those. On average, 2,000 viewers uh, per webinar. And um, what is, I think, most satisfying for us is our intent was that nurses would watch these together, if at all possible, discuss what they're learning, and actually change practice um, where they needed to. And our our customer research is telling us that we're doing a really nice job of that. And uh, about 88% uh, say that they're discussing the topics with their colleagues. 77% are sharing them uh, the new practices with unit leadership with the intent of changing policy or practice. And half um, within a month of the webinar 
have reported that they have implemented the practice change. So to to us, that's kind of the that was a big unknown in the past. You'd put out education and hope that uh, it was easily applicable, and this had given us some insight that um, that we're on the right track. So that's. that's you go ahead. As I said, I mean that that is great. Uh, a that um, you know that uh, you focused, I think, on making those into a high impact product in the first place. And and I've actually I've recommended to a number number of organizations to take a look at what you're doing with webinars because I think uh, you know webinars come into in for a lot of flack these days. I think, but if you do them really well, you know they can be extremely effective. And I, I think they have been in your case. And, and obviously, you've been able to to measure that they that they are in fact uh, effective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're pretty excited about it. And another program that is old school face-to-face, um, we've got kind of the old model of that, which would be our annual conference. We call it the National Teaching Institute and Critical Care Exposition. It usually attracts six to 8,000 nurses each year. And actually, it was you, Jeff, I think the research that you did with ASAE um, helped us to feel more comfortable that conferences will not go away. There is still a strong strong desire for professionals to meet face-to-face for um, certain learning needs. And, and we're certainly seeing that it's alive and well. Our attendance for our projected attendance for next month is uh, significantly higher than we anticipated in our budget. So that's been the last three years running we've seen that. Uh, so it's it's wonderful to know that uh, that being with one another live is still got great value, for, at least for our our nurses. Right, right. And and with something like the conference, um, you know, or, or any of your other learning initiatives. I mean, you mentioned with the webinars that you've done some follow up. You 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 know have a sense of the impact that uh, that they're having. Um, I mean, how much do you know about the, the, the impact of your conference or the other types of, you know, learning and education you're offering? You know, how do you get a sense that uh, as an organization, you really are impacting, you know, both individual nurses, but also the, the, the field that, that you're serving? Well, if we were having this conversation a few years ago, I wouldn't have as good an answer as I do now. <laughs> I think we've made some significant changes in how we evaluate and measure the impact of our offerings. And, you know, one view that I look at is by activity. So whether it's the conference or let's say someone's accessed uh, continuing education module online, are the questions that we're going to ask them as part of their, um, their CE evaluation are very different. They've moved from just standard satisfaction with the content or the speaker to um, what you're describing as impact. So our standard evaluation at this point does ask folks, to rate their knowledge before completing the activity and after. Uh, We also ask them to rate their level of confidence in applying the concepts presented before and after. And also ask them to talk about their level of confidence in leading uh, improvements based on what they're learning. We not only do that immediately after the learning activity, but we circle back six months later and, and see uh, where they're sitting at that point. So we actually have some really good data now, program by program, to look at the impact. And just as an example of that for our annual conference, I, I asked our fo- folks how we did last year, and 
In terms of sharing learning, uh, 92% of conference attendees say they went back and, and shared the learning with their colleagues. Wow, 90%, wow. yeah, 90% said they applied it. So, so that's great information to have. And I think on a more aggregated level, you know, like so many organizations, we do an annual um, sort of a strategic market research study that, that gives us a sense into satisfaction and loyalty. And that those are much more global measures of how well is the association preparing and inspiring you for changes in practice that need to be made? Um, how do our information and resources and tools uh, prepare you to provide the best patient care possible. So that gives us sort of a, a way to track and trend how we're doing holistically with all of our offerings. Well, I, I think it's, uh, I mean, it's a great example to, to other organizations that you're doing as much as you are to to measure that, that you are, in fact, uh, having an impact and then, you know, factoring that back into the, the planning that you do. I know as a, an association CEO that uh, you no doubt um, end up talking with, networking with uh, other association CEOs. And, and really, in many ways, you're, I, I would describe you as, as ahead of the curve as, as an organization in terms of you know, getting into e-learning early, um, thinking uh, about how you're going to measure impact, um, uh, and, and I think just really being thoughtful about um, how you grow and develop learning as, as, as part of your value proposition. I, I'm wondering, I, I'm, I'm betting that you know, other CEOs that, that you bump into kind of know this about AACN. Um, and, and probably ask you for advice as to you know what they might do with their own education uh, programming, what they might do with their, their own learning. I mean, what 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 pearls of advice uh, you know might you offer out to a, an organization that maybe isn't quite as far along as, as AACN is, is right now? Mm-hmm. Oh, good question. Well, thank you for the compliment. I, I do think that the organization, which is to me all hundred thousand plus of us, are are doing a good job supporting nurses in their delivery of patient care. And so what would I offer as advice? You know, I think for us specifically where nursing is concerned, which is clearly our area of focus and expertise, there's really no substitute in my mind for talking to nurses every chance I get. So whether your association is focused on accountants or engineers or or physicians, you know, I think that's so vital. And we have, I think, sort of an, a built-in advantage in that most of our boards are made up of those we, we serve, which which gives us a, a regular exposure to what's going on in the environment, how that's impacting the practice of nurses and, and their needs. But I, I feel like we do, um, we go way, way beyond that. Every volunteer interaction we have with a nurse and all of our resources are, are co-created with uh, expert nurses in our community, we're also asking them, what is going on in the environment? Um, what, do you, what do you need? What do you aspire to? What do you need to be able to do that's different today than yesterday? And incorporating that in not just our new offerings, but as we look at what we've done forever, how, how, do they, how will they be received in the current environment, which is so different than it was 10 years ago. So I think we've gotten very good as an organization at understanding that this isn't just about creating features in a product and, and promoting those features, but it's really about understanding what does a nurse need to be able to do and how will this resource or program or product help them do that? Um, really coming from a place of 
uh, nurse as individual versus nurse as customer number. And uh, I think that speaks volumes to why we've been pretty successful. Right. No, I, I've always gotten a sense of, uh, of AAC and as being very, very in touch with, with its market. And as a result, you know, being in a position to, to lead the way um, for uh, the, the nurses that, that you're serving. As we're, as we're starting to, to wrap up, though, I want to be sure to ask, because this is something we, we like to ask everybody who comes on to the uh, Leading Learning podcast, what, what about your, your own learning? What, what are some of your own you know, lifelong learning habits that helps to you know, keep you on top of your game and, and ahead of the curve? <laughs> well, I, I, certainly in the past, I've been a big fan of formal education and uh, have benefited greatly from that. And I think the more applicable it could be, the better. My, you know, you mentioned me getting my MBA, and I did that while I was employed here. So being able to apply what I was learning immediately to the real world on <laughs> real projects was a much more fulfilling and I think successful learning experience for me than say undergraduate uh, college. But in, in terms of the here and now, um, in, in my current role, like most of us, I don't have nearly as much time as I used to, to do the kind of really slow book learning that I, I would prefer. <laughs> so I, you know, I still do read a lot and uh, I, I can't remember last time I read fiction because there's just so much to read about um, effective organizational leadership. And, you know, I, I love the folks that most, most everyone does, Jim Collins, Kevin Cashman, Sinek, you know. I think the real revolution that I've seen that has helped me in my learning is is being able to access things like TED Talks uh, in, in shorter snippets. You're still getting access to these incredible minds, but rather than taking a week to read a book, um, you know, 17 minutes, it, it can really give you a lot to think about. So between that and, you know, Harvard Business Review, anything that is going to give you sort of a concentrated essence of some really great ideas that you can then translate for your organization, that I think works best for me. Well, I certainly, uh, I think I follow some of the, the, the same learning practices, um, and the, those are some great uh, both practices and resources that, uh, that, that you mentioned there. So as we're wrapping up, first of all, thanks for you know, having this conversation. Uh, doing this podcast is always one of my biggest uh, learning opportunities, and, and this has certainly been a, an example of that. Um, how can uh, folks who are listening find out more uh, about AACN and, and what you're up to? And, and for that matter, how can they connect with you? Well, as far as AACN, just uh, AACN.org will get you to our website. And uh, connecting with me, uh, feel free, Dana.Woods at AACN.org. I'd be happy to share what I know and uh, learn from you as well. Well, great. Well, Dana, thanks thanks so much for, for taking the time to talk. Well, thanks so much, Jeff. So that wraps up our interview with Dana Woods of AACN. Just a couple quick reminders. Again, LTD, Learning Technology Design, is coming up May 18th and 19th in Arlington, Virginia. We really encourage you to take a look at that great program. We're really excited about that. That's available at ltd.leadinglearning.com. And thanks again to Meridian Knowledge Solutions. You can find out more about them at meridianks.com. 
To get show notes for this episode, just go to leadinglearning.com forward slash episode 32. And while you're there, you'll see the options for subscribing to the podcast. We truly hope you will do that. If you have not already, there are a variety of ways to get it and make sure that it uh, lands on your smartphone or other device on a weekly basis. We would be grateful if you'd take a minute to give us a rating on iTunes. You can do that by going to leadinglearning.com slash iTunes. And we really do appreciate it. It makes uh, it much easier for others who are interested in, in this type of learning and, and leading questions. It helps them find the podcast. And finally, we hope you'll consider telling others about the podcast. You can just send out a tweet by going to leadinglearning.com forward slash share, and that will automatically create a tweet that all you have to do is then hit the the tweet button and it'll go out to the world. Or you can take that language or language of your own and put it into another social network of your choice. But please do share the word about the Leading Learning Podcast. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast. (laughs) 